Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Kind of dreary out there. Many of us are looking at rain right now and more of it on its way. Fortunately, so far, it looks like it's going to be in the northern watershed, which we really need to fill the lakes and fill the aquifer. And this rain may finally get us out of the drought, maybe. We won't know for a week yet, but the rain is coming at a fortunate time for us. Uh, One thing we need to keep in mind here, we have been spoiled this last two weeks, I guess. We have had low temperatures above 45 degrees. And that's great for the garden. However, you need to understand that uh, Sunday night, Monday morning through um, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, we're going to have three days where the cold is going to affect tomatoes. If you already put your tomatoes in, you want to cover them up. You should be prepared for that anyway this early in the year. But those three days, the the projected low will be low enough to harm tomatoes. So get your covers out. We're not freezing. We're just going to be below what is a, a happy temperature for tomatoes. Since they are tropical plants, they don't want to experience anything below roughly 45 degrees. So get ready to have to take care of them. Let's go to the phone. This is Jackie. Jackie, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jess. Thank you for taking my call. I moved into um, a home last September, and in the yard, it had like a 10 to 12-foot papaya tree. I didn't even know what it was when I first moved in, but this uh, freeze, uh, this hard freeze that we had, definitely had a really bad effect on this papaya tree. It's uh, it's lost all its fruit. It had about 30 papayas on it. And, and, of course, the leaf branches are hanging straight down. I don't know if it's dead or if there's something that I can check to see and, or what to do now. Uh, short story is this, Jackie. You can grow a fruiting papaya here in Austin. But it requires jumping through a few hoops. You want to put it in the ground. um, uh, You want to start it inside. You want to let it grow starting like August. Grow it inside till about February or last frost. Put it in the ground, let it go, and you have a very good opportunity 
to get papayas before the next freeze. Papayas are truly tropical. It's unlikely that papaya is going to survive. If it experienced a freeze, that ain't good for it. Yes, and the trunk is is like about six inches wide. Yeah, it's a very, very fast-growing plant. But Yeah, I doubt you're going to get anything from it. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if it doesn't die. If it, if you are okay with it, trim off everything that's dead and just leave it. Just leave it alone. If we don't get another freeze, statistically, that's entirely possible here in Austin. If we don't get another freeze, there is a slight possibility that it will come back and come October or November, you may be able to harvest papayas off of it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before you get excited, let's say you give it two months and we don't get a freeze at all and nothing comes out. No new leaves, no new branches, no fruit. That's probably a dead tree. Okay, let me ask you one more question. So it's kind of shriveled at the top, and and like I said, it's about 10 feet tall. Um, Should I cut it down any or just remove the the dead leaves? You know, I would just remove the dead leaves. Okay. If it's going to come back, Anything dead at the top there is not really going to be a problem for it. It'll create new branches around it. Okay. But I, I, I'm not really confident it's going to make it back, especially yeah. since we did have a hard freeze. I, there wasn't any way I could cover it. It was too tall. And, um, and even the plants that I, that I covered during that time, uh, I lost some of them, you know, but they were much smaller. Yeah. But- I have a I have a friend who grew a papaya for years. And they rigged up um, this cage, basically, using cattle panels that went over the top of the papaya tree. And then they jury-rigged this system that allowed them to pull canvas over it so they could make it like a greenhouse. Oh, that's awesome. And they, well, they got papayas, but to go to that much trouble when you can go to the store and just grab a papaya? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't, yeah I, I don't know if it was worth it. Although it was cool to say you were growing them. <laughs> so don't get real excited if it doesn't make it. Um Okay. Well, I just didn't know what to do at this point, so I have just let it sit. And, uh, of course, the the fruit dropped to the ground, and and I got rid of it. But it doesn't seem to be mushy. The trunk doesn't seem to be mushy. Then there may be a possibility of it coming back for you. Okay. And I say well, thank that you. may thank be you a possibility. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, so much for the advice, and I'm going to give it a shot. Thank you. 
Yeah, thanks for the call, Jackie. Folks, there are plants here in Texas we can grow that you would never suspect. I grew pineapples for years and got pineapples. I grew a pineapple that produced a pineapple that I ate and cut the top off and planted a new pineapple. I did that for years and was successful with it. You just have to meet its cultural needs. If it can't freeze, you have to make sure it doesn't freeze. And that can be hard to do. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, Richard, I see you there. Can you hang on? I got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, let's go to the phone. Richard, thanks for hanging on. What can I help you with? Hello, Mr. Ferris. This is Richard Orsack. I got, uh, well, anyway, some 10, 15 wine that I planted late because I, my provider didn't have any. Uh, did they get stunted too much? For, uh, should I just pull them up for a spring garden or let them go? Let them grow. Let them, oh, let them go. 10, 15. If you planted them by seed, would go in the ground October 15th, 10-15. If right. you oh, had okay. starts where you, you put in the little itty-bitty bulb into the hole, they've got several more months yet of growing before they'll be ready to pull out. They can handle this kind of cold. And we really haven't had bad cold this month yet so you leave them they'll they'll be growing fine and uh you'll get to harvest um maybe the end of april probably closer to may some of them are supposed to be as big as a, a cup or something right a coffee cup uh yeah you could get an onion that's between two and four inches in diameter. Yeah. Okay. What would you want me to do with uh, the rest of the garden? Uh, when do I plant? Uh, I guess I'll just do some beans or something. Um, there is like a green wonderful, beans. There's a wonderful guide. It's called, this is a long name. I'll get you a shortcut to it. It's the Travis County Master Gardener's Guide for Vegetables in Central Texas. If you go okay. to Texas AgriLife, you don't even have to do that. Um, you can just use your favorite search engine and say, Growing Guide for Central Texas. And it'll show you a calendar of what can be what should be planted at certain times of the year. Now, statistically, it's possible we will not get another freeze in all of February, which is great. And that means that you can grow almost anything that is in the winter garden. We're early for tomatoes and peppers yet, but 
lettuce, beans, peas, um, spinach, kale, cabbage, kohlrabi, broccoli, cauliflower, mustards. These are all plants that could be planted now. So okay. you've got a big, long list. And this guide will really tell you, here's the stuff that's going to be most reliable right now. Growing Guide Central Texas. Yep. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Have a great day. You, you too. Thanks for the call, Richard. Yeah, folks, you simply have to remember one thing when using the growing guide, okay? Plants cannot read. So when you look at that guide and it says spinach, put it in right now. No, it is a reminder to you. You still have to sit and look and consider what's the weather like? Are we going to have a big hard freeze coming? Because I may not want to put the plants in at that time. It's simply a reminder of when to start looking to put stuff in the garden. It's not a written in stone, oh, it says start on this date. No, what it says is start considering what are the weather conditions right now and are they good for the plant you're trying to put in. If it's too cold or too hot, no, don't. But if you evaluate and go, yeah, you know what? The weather's good. It gets cool at night. It's not too hot. We're getting rain. I can put those plants in. But it's a great guide for Central Texas because everybody who moves here is like, well, where I come from, we do things like this. And uh, that doesn't work in every case here in Texas. It's a good, it's a guide, okay? And it's free, will really do a great job of helping you have a successful garden. Let's go to the phone. This is Jenny. Jenny, what can I help you with? Hello? Yes, ma'am. What can I help you with? Oh, Good morning, Jeff. Um, yes, I have yopon bushes, those little round bushes, yeah. and it needs trimming. And I never know when the best time of the year to trim it is. Is it before or after it's budded new leaves, or, or how does that work? Okay. With a yopon, it's going to flower. And that little flower is going to attract bees like crazy. They love it. That little flower is going to turn into the red berry that you're looking for. So okay. if you trim it, if you can see any flower buds on it, if you trim it, you just cut them all off. You just Correct. cut off the berries you're going to get. So okay. you can go out there and look at it. And if it is not yet, producing any flower blooms and you might want to look because this is normally the time of the year where it'll start to pop up you don't want to prune it if it has the buds on it 
If you can't right. find any, if you can't see any, you can remove about one-third of the plant without harming it. Okay. Otherwise, do you do it after the berries have happened? Well, that's part of the thing about a yopon. When it produces berries, they're very long-lasting. They're on the plant for a long time, maybe a year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, after it buries out, after it's got a lot of berries on it, you can prune it when it has berries on it. But like I said, not a huge cutback, about a third, and you can start to shape it to the size that you want it to be and still get to enjoy the berries. Just don't be super aggressive. Trim it with some pruners, not a chainsaw. Okay. Got it. Wow. And uh, and anim- and birds and that animals like the berries? Um yes and no. It's kind of a berry of last resort for some birds, but mockingbirds okay. and cedar waxwings, um they love them and they okay. will try to pick them off for you as long as they're there. Okay. Well, that's excellent. I'll do that. I can do Thanks. that. Thank you for Thank the you call, very Jim. much. Folks, I got to take a break. It's time for the news. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back everybody. Um Got asked, got texted a somewhat, oh, this, this, this is one of those argumentative questions. If you were to ask 10 people, 10 gardeners, you may get 20 answers. Do you need to fertilize your trees every year? Um, I think there are better things to do than fertilizing the trees, more productive things. I don't think fertilizing them every year is a necessity, but I am sure I can get a line of people who will tell me that, no, you must do it. And there'll even be ones who say, you must fertilize them monthly. Now, I am talking about non-fruiting, non-nut-producing trees. In other words, our oaks, our elms. How often should they be fertilized? You know, the person who asked the question said they don't do that kind of fertilization but they provided seaweed solution once a month that is a very effective thing to do 
that will really help protect trees, well, any plant, from drought and freeze. That is always worthwhile. Maybe twice a year, early spring, late fall, you apply some compost around the root zone. It doesn't have to be super thick. Half an inch would be lots of compost to build up that root zone, to provide the organic matter for all the little critters that produce or convert all the nutrients into a form that the tree can use. <clears throat> but do you need to fertilize them that frequently? Wow. You can. Follow the instructions on the product, though. Don't suddenly go out there and dop, uh, drop, you know, a pickup truck load worth of fertilizer on the ground. But I, I don't think a healthy tree is what we're shooting for. A healthy tree. Properly trimming it makes a huge difference. But having to fertilize it frequently, maybe once a year, I disagree. Does it make me right or wrong? I don't know. That's up to you. That's your choice. You're the one doing the work. But seaweed monthly and compost twice a year, that will be more effective than just tossing out a fertilizer every, I don't know, couple of months. But it's up to you. You're not gonna harm your tree in either situation, with or without the fertilizer. The older the tree, I would say it's more important to go with the compost to help ensure the soil stays proper for that tree to be able to produce good, strong roots. Let's go to the phone. This is Mark. Mark, what can I help you with? Hello. Uh, yeah. So I was listening to you about putting down uh, corn gluten for your lawn. When's the, I have Bermuda grass. When's the best time to, like, seed it? Should I go ahead and put it down with the corn gluten, or should I wait? Okay, you're asking about when to feed the Bermuda? Yes. Um, you're a little bit early yet, okay? You can put the corn gluten down, and the thing about the corn gluten is it turns into a fertilizer. So you get both in one application. So if you do corn gluten, you generally don't have to follow with a fertilizer. So it kind of saves you some of that effort, and it helps get rid of the weeds for you so that you have this nice, beautiful lawn. If you are not going to do corn gluten, if you're looking just for a fertilizer, um, you, could do, um, you could do a granular fertilizer now 
especially an organic one, and uh, it will start to feed the roots so that those plants can really take off the minute the weather gets warm enough for them. So corn gluten, corn gluten means you do not have to fertilize. If you don't use corn gluten and you do fertilize, this is not a bad time to do so. I got you. I like the corn gluten idea because it, it's going to help me control the weeds and fertilize. I could probably save a couple bucks by doing that. Um, you can't, and the, it'll give you a better looking lawn. Yeah, and so when when I when I, I you know I, I want to put down some seed, you know the Bermuda seed with it. Do I when I put this Bermuda seed, should I just put it by itself, or should I use a fertilizer with it? Okay. If you are going to put down Bermuda seed, it's a little early yet. And if you are going to use corn gluten, you cannot put down Bermuda seed for eight weeks. Because otherwise, the corn gluten will kill the Bermuda seed. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. And about eight weeks from now, you know what? Your Bermuda is going to want to be growing then. So that's not a bad combination. But you you want a fairly large gap between corn gluten and putting down any kind of seeds, wildflowers, grass seed, anything. You want about an eight-week gap so that you don't wind up wasting the seed. I got you. So, like, say after eight, like after mid-April, to try to put down that Bermuda seed. Yeah, that's probably not a bad time frame. Bermuda wants warmer temperatures. The soil temperature needs to be above sixty-five degrees. And if you had a soil thermometer right now and stuck it out there, that soil is not above sixty-five degrees. So you want to wait till we warm up a little more to get the best performance out of the Bermuda seed. Okay. Well, and one last quick question: I have a a, a fairly large pecan tree that's kind of uh, messing with my fence, and I've been wanting to trim it uh, and uh, cut the cut cut one of the limbs. Is it okay to do that now, or is there a different time when I should try to do that? You should be okay doing it now. Just remember the rules. Good, clean, sharp tools, a nice, clean cut, and you make sure you don't drop the branch on something because that's dangerous, but you can make a nice, clean cut to get that branch off of your fence line and it's okay for the tree. Okay. Paint on it or anything like that, or just be little. We only have to paint the wounds of oak trees. All the other trees, you can cut them, and they'll take care of themselves. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for the call, Mark. Yeah, folks, common question. I'm cutting my tree, so I better paint the wound, right? No. 
you do not have to paint the wounds of trees except oaks because of oak wilt. It will be one more layer of protection to prevent the spread of oak wilt if you're doing work. But normally, make clean, proper cuts. The tree will ooze out sap at the cut and seal itself off on its own. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is a really common question whenever we're talking about corn gluten. Corn gluten will not harm already growing plants. It is a pre-emergent. It's designed to stop seeds from germinating. So if the plant's already growing, the corn gluten's not going to do anything to it. The plants are just going to keep growing. That's why if you use corn gluten, in your turf, the corn gluten is going to try to stop the weeds and it's still going to fertilize the grass. That's the goal. If you are looking to plant Bermuda, <clears throat> we need warmer temperatures. We need a soil temperature. Now I'm talking planting Bermuda seed. If we are going to do that, we need a soil temperature of 65 degrees or more for the best germination of the uh, Bermuda seed. You can find a soil thermometer for less than 10 bucks. You just stick it in the ground and let it sit there a few minutes, and it will tell you what the soil temperature is. If it's not 65 degrees, you may still get the seed to germinate, but it's going to take it a much longer time. So remember, if the plant is already growing, corn gluten will not affect it. Corn gluten prevents seeds from germinating. It does not harm already growing plants. Let's go to the phone. This is Stephen. Stephen, what can I help you with? Yeah, hey, Jeff. Um, I'm out here in Driftwood, and, man, we, we're getting a nice, uh, good rain. Um, pretty excited. Uh, the question I have for you is um, this year I want to take my gardening to the next level. Uh, last year I was growing tomatoes and peppers in pots on my patio, and this year, I want to put in a, a raised garden bed. And, you know, listening to you over the years, I, I, I know some of the basics, you know, like put cardboard down, what have you, uh, you know, don't use pressure-treated lumber because of the oil that's in it. Um, but the one question I have for you is um, how, 
what what depth should I go for the uh, the raised beds? Oh, good question. Um, the deeper you can go, the better. We could be yeah. ridiculous about it if you want, but that gets to be expensive because you're going to bring in soil. Yes. So um, six inches would be excellent. Eight inches, oh, even yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking be like better, maybe but... a foot and a half or so. Oh, wow. If you <laughs> want to go to that effort, if you can afford that much soil, that is wonderful. But yeah. normally, I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. The um, square foot garden, the uh, the company that makes it, can't think of the ni- guy's name, Mel Bartholomew's company, mm-hmm. the square foot garden kit he sells only has four inches of soil in it. Wow. And it's successful. So those the, the ideal minimum depth. The minimum depth? I yeah, would like, like to four see inches least... probably sounds like the minimum, right? Yeah, I would go with six. Just Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds good. And any other tips? I, I know in the past I've heard, you know, put the cardboard down so that way you don't get any um seeds or weeds that are there uh coming up to, you know, the, the soil, um, and then as yeah. far as, you know, well-drained soil, um, you know, out here there's tons of deer, so I'm going to have to build a, probably a six-foot, um, you know, uh, kind fence, of fence around where the raised beds are going to be. Um, yeah, a couple of things, real easy things. When you put the yeah. cardboard down, put the cardboard down bigger than the bed. So that when you oh set very the good bed, very good yeah when you set the bed borders down there's no weeds trying to crawl in underneath the borders okay and uh, the, that can that can save you a lot of hassle uh, to do that but other than that um, wherever you get your soil make sure it's going to be really decent. They're going to tell you this is garden bed soil. Yeah, right. okay. I would consider, depending on how many beds you got, maybe I would add an additional bag of a good quality compost to a bed. Let's say you had a four by eight bed. You put enough dirt in it to make it six inches deep. I would get one bag of compost, rip it open, and blend it into that also, just to give okay. yourself an extra start. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Um, Appreciate you. You Take care. Uh, You too. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, there are some good dirt yards around here. Excuse me. Soil yards around here. And you can go in. uh, You can go in and um, get a pickup truck load of dirt. And a pickup truck load will roughly fill a four-foot by eight-foot bed six inches deep. Ta-da, you got a full bed. But even their, quote, best blends, I would spike them a little bit. 
I would work in one full bag of compost, pretty much any kind of compost, and blend it into that new bed before you do any planting. Putting cardboard down, always a nice add because it'll help prevent weeds from coming in. And don't forget, the cardboard should go past the edge of the bed. Make it go outside a little bit. That prevents weeds from trying to bust in right between the border and the soil. You want the cardboard to cover more of the bed so that you don't get the overrun of any weeds. And I got to tell you something. Um, you're still going to have weed seeds. You have to remember seeds blow in the wind. Birds eat and deposit the seeds for you. It's getting a head start by trying to prevent what's already in the soil from getting to you can make a big difference. But don't think that you're going to be weed free simply because you put down the cardboard. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I got a break for the news, Karen. Sorry, saw you there. If you hang on, I'll get you on the other side.